Welcome to the Ben Dice COC podcast, where we make content for those who are seeking to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you. That, that just warms my heart. You know, the two churches working together to see a couple be united in Christ like that. And of course, uh, we have Nadia dating a brother from the uh, El Paso church. And, uh, uh, also, uh, Carrie and, uh, Carrie Ford and, and, uh, her husband, Aaron just got married, uh, recently as well. I got to go up. We had just a handful at their house for their wedding. And of course, uh, Emily and Yosvan and, uh, Corvallis were re- uh, recently married. And there's a number of other, uh, interests and dating relationships happening. And it's so encouraging to see. And even, even the, the, the brother that, uh, Nadia's, uh, dating is, is a longtime friend of, uh, of uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Lauterbach, who's here in Eugene, and they knew each other back in El Paso, and he's been up here for the for his wedding, and and uh, of course through that got to know Nadia. It's amazing how uh, these things uh, these things happen. But so encouraging. Along with that, to see uh, <clears throat> oh goodness the, the rash of births lately. Uh, congratulations to the Hungerfords uh, with little Sersha here with us, and it, it's so encouraging to become a parent. Uh, getting married and becoming a parent are two things that help me understand so much more. Our Father, God, His love, His desire for us, His patience, His forgiveness. Those are amazing lessons for me that took me far beyond just the religion and helped me understand much more the relationship that God wants with us. So we're, we're grateful for them uh, being able to experience parenthood uh, as well. Uh, little Noah being born here in, uh, in Eugene uh, to the Zimmermans. And uh, that's very encouraging also. Uh, uh, Colthers had their baby as well, uh, Bill Keith. It's encouraging to see that the, the family growing in so many different ways. Uh, Thursday morning, Cheryl got up for a 6.30 Zoom Bible study with a, uh, a woman in uh, Salem who studied the Bible. And uh, Carrie joined her from Salem, and Cheryl here in Eugene, and two sisters out in Connecticut, and uh, the woman's daughter out in Connecticut joined. New wine, new wine, <laughs> way to so, do it. So they had this multi-state Bible study going on with this uh, woman up in Salem. I'm so encouraged by that as well. Like God just, you can't contain God. His word's gonna uh, be able to be preached and, and, and obeyed and, and listened to and understood no matter what happens in, in our world. There'll always be a way that the God's, uh, uh, God's word is gonna escape and get out and, and give us a chance to follow him and know him and, and have the kind of relationship with him that he attended. Uh, I love that you have a, a series that you're studying now that's starting. Uh, we get to kick it off, mm-hmm. I guess. Thank you for, again for that opportunity and, and the, the book of First Peter. We just finished the, uh, the the Gospel of Mark here in Eugene. And we've been doing that since the beginning of the year and had uh, culminated uh, around Easter and, and a week or two after that to finish up. And we'll be starting a new series ourselves this summer. But I, I love that you have a, a book in the Bible that you are studying uh, together. Uh, of course, the writer of First Peter is Peter. Simon Peter, Cephas, and he was writing to motivate the Christians to stay faithful, even when being a Christian was unpopular in their society, when they're persecuted and martyred, attacked by their government, and even ostracized in their house, home, and family. Amazing challenges, yet Peter's calling them to remain faithful and be grateful for their salvation. You would look at me in Luke chapter 22. I have to start with a little bit of something about Peter. But Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus says uh, to Simon, 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 
Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Simon replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me and deny me three times that you even know me. Wow. What a story. This idea that Jesus is telling Peter, you're going to be a shepherd for my people. But there's some things that have to happen to get you ready first. And he chose to use the word sifted as wheat. That the things about your life, the lumps you're going to have to take and endure, the exposure of your life, that everything be magnified, the fishbowl effect of how you live and what you say and what you do. Even your motives are going to be brought out into the open, Peter. And all these things will be questioned and brought before you. How you deal with fear and anger and shame. All these things are going to be brought to your attention. When I was younger, my my mom taught me how to to sift wheat, flour, uh, and make it a cake. You got to pour the flour into this metal cylinder, and there's a little handle on the bottom that you would shake back and forth, and the, and the filtered or sifted wheat flour would come out. And the idea that you have to do that because you don't want any lumps in the cake. That'll ruin the cake if you, if you have lumps. And here God's and Jesus is saying to Peter, we're going to deal with your lumps. We have to take some lumps to deal with our lumps. And for a lot of us, you know, we've been through some lumps in our Christianity. And that's okay. But get to the point that I welcome those being brought out to the light. That it's okay. That I'm safe with my family. I'm safe with God. And my weaknesses are brought forward. It's okay to talk about them, for them to be exposed. And that I can learn to embrace that instead of pointing the finger and say, this is not fair. This is not right. This hurts me. Uh, you, you shouldn't be doing this. I don't feel protected. I don't feel... We should get to the point of, you know what, thank you for saying that. Could somebody always say something better to us in a more loving, kind uh, way that would make us feel more taken care of? Probably. But the fact that it's being said should be of more value to us, I think, anyway, than how the person delivered it. And if they could deliver it better, maybe I can talk to them about that down the road sometime. But right now, I want to hear that. I don't want to push that off and point the finger as someone who's showing me something in my life. Because ultimately, maybe I'm pointing the finger at God saying, that's not fair, God. I don't want that. The idea of being sifted is very difficult to take. A lot of times we get very twisted in our attitudes, our thinking about our life and where we are and what's happening. But we want to point the finger. Instead, maybe we realize this is God sifting my life. And it's okay that it didn't come across in a way that I would prefer. I'm going to move into a different segment here that the idea that when it comes to persecution, uh, this was, I believe, many of the motivating factors behind what Peter was saying in the book of First Peter. Um, there were four main sources of persecution at this, this time of this book was written between 62 and 64 AD by Peter, probably in the city of Rome, 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection and the start of Christianity, 20 plus years after the Persecution in Jerusalem in Acts 8, 
and a disbursement into Judea and Samaria. One of the first I'd have to bring forth in these different sources of persecution would be the Romans, Caligula and then Nero in Rome. And then after that, other local authorities throughout, other local Roman authorities throughout the empire followed suit and felt like, it's okay, we can do this. People cheered it. They did despicable things to the Christians to get more and more of a, of a response. The Jews, at first, it was a fear by the, the Jewish leadership of Christianity's meteoric rise and what that would mean for their future. Then the Jewish leadership wanted to separate um, themselves from the idea of Christians in the, in the Roman eyes because Judaism was considered a legitimate legal uh, religion of the day. And Christianity was seen as a sect of Judaism, therefore sort of accepted as, as legal, but maybe not favored. And the Jews thought, well, we don't really want this tied to us. Thirdly, home and family. Uh, Roman family law and really the, the practice of law in many societies of that day uh, favored the head of the family. And we even have this evolution in our own family law in the United States and how that has changed over the years of how certain members of family would be favored and others not. As you read 1 Peter chapter 3 down the road in your studies of 1 Peter, you'll, you'll probably realize that it's spoken a lot to the children and the mothers and women of these families who, if crossed, they felt like they made the, the leader of the family crossed, they could be dismissed and wouldn't have much legal recourse. And Peter was teaching them how to not only overcome that, but be such that you could win an unbelieving husband over to the Lord. That's pretty amazing. Then fourth and lastly, the economics of the day. Uh, with idol, worship, idol makers uh, making idols for idol worshipers and idol worshipers becoming Christians and no longer wanting idols, so the idol makers got really upset. They're losing money. There's money out of our pocket here, and we don't like this. And they persecuted the Christians. You can read about some of those stories in the book of Acts. Um, I'm going to start now with uh, my, my wife is going to be leading and reading uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, gathered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of, of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine 
and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you, sweetie. This first point that I'm making, I'm basically making one point, and Cheryl's going to be making one that she'll be sharing, is the idea of we need to be grateful and show the gratitude and grow in our gratitude for our salvation. We need to embrace this, this relationship with God. And to be woes that protect and nurture and grow that relationship. Uh, I love how Peter says at the beginning, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter, once he embraced, he embraced, but he struggled. Struggled mightily with the idea of even embracing the relationship with God. You know the story back in uh, John 1, Luke 4, and Luke 5, where Peter had difficulty embracing his uh, relationship with Jesus as, as his brother Andrew did. But the idea that you and I are, are to grow in our gratitude for our salvation, that God gives us his love, a new birth, an inheritance that does not change, a living hope, a promise of heaven. And he's even shielded, we're even shielded by our Father on this earth. I love how it says in uh, Psalm 103, it speaks of how because of God's love for us as, as, as a dad, he is so eager to forgive our sin and call us to a new life with him, to take our sins as far as the east is from the west. It says in Psalm 103, verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or pay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. This place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. I love that. It reminds me of the, the, the father and the prodigal son story eager to forgive his son. All I wanted was you to come back. All I wanted was you to be back with me. I've forgiven all that. I'll put a, a the family ring on your finger, sandals on your feet, a, a robe on you, and, and we'll, we'll have a feast and a celebration because you're back. And that's what I wanted, was you to be back. And I'll forgive those things and take them as far as the east is from the west. That's our father wanting us, wanting a relationship with us, our salvation, a saved relationship. I love it says also in a back in first Peter, first Peter chapter two, verses four through six. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house or family to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, our own bodies, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in, in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The way to the Father in this relationship is through Jesus. And Peter's reminding those who have gone through persecution, problems, maybe just struggling in their own faith, having uh, left Jerusalem and, and trying to, to sort of hang on spiritually. 
reminding them that it's through Jesus that you come to the Father. It's through a relationship with him. Even a few verses later in verses 9 and 10 of 1 Peter 2, he talks about that we're his family, a chosen people, a royal priesthood for God. And that we embrace that family. We embrace Jesus. We embrace this relationship with God. So at this point, I want to give you a challenge, if I could, please. And I'm going to call it the quarantine challenge. What's that? Well, simply that if you could find during this time that you may have more time together, if if you're like my wife, your, your, your work schedule hasn't changed, but for some of us, perhaps it has, to find a greater gratitude for God, your relationship with him, your salvation that he's granted. That we grow in the hope of our future with God, a new and living hope that can be renewed and grown every day. Well, what's the challenge? Well, let me let me get it, bring it to you through this uh, this little story I have. I was doing a prayer walk in my neighborhood, and on one of the street signs, I saw a handmade, a hand-fashioned sign that somebody had put up and taped up there. They said, "Enjoy the silence." Because our neighborhood has become a lot more quiet. Fewer cars, trucks. You don't even hear uh, the voices of children playing out in the streets. It said, enjoy the silence. And I thought, you know what? I want to enjoy a greater focus on God. Embracing this relationship like I never have before. I don't know. Maybe we, we may never have an opportunity in the rest of our lives like we have right now. But I want to take this time to connect to my father in an emotional way that I wasn't just a few weeks ago. That I can take this exceptional time and make an amazing time with God. To seek a greater connection with him through my time with him in prayer, personal Bible study, and make the most of what is left in this quarantine. That I'm going to get closer to my father. If it means me getting to bed earlier so I can get up earlier, then so be it. If it means turning off Netflix for a while, amen. I want to be able to make sure that I have and take advantage of this incredible time to be closer to my father. Even this word, to really grasp this time together. We'll take the quarantine challenge because I'm going to spend more time with my father in prayer and Bible study. Join me with this challenge, I hope, in the next few weeks we have left of this. Not sure what that's going to be. But you and I have this opportunity to grow closer with our Father. The first Peter 1 3 says, A new birth. You know, to add to this for my wife has some sharing points, is that I thought for a while that John 3 3, where it talked about born again, was the same idea of this new birth that Peter was talking about. It is and it isn't. This uh idea in John chapter 3, verse 3, where Jesus enters the idea and, and gives to us the idea of being born again, is a Greek word, geneo, from the uh, strong uh, Greek uh, number of 313. And this word is actually used in this chapter 1, verse 3, anageneo, only used another time in the Bible, and that's just 20 verses later by Peter. It's the only time the, this word has been used in, in the entire New Testament. It's verse 3 and verse 23 of 1 Peter 1. And what he's trying to say here in that anageneo means to, to beget again, up again, born from on high. I think in our thinking today, we reasonably could say a re-rebirth, a born again, again. But I'm renewing this commitment 
kind of when a, a married couple uh, renews their vows and making this commitment and sticking to it and reaffirming this commitment and not letting this world, this persecution, this fear. And Peter knew the stories of how people losing their lives had discouraged Christians from, from living this life and, and being willing to renounce Jesus. But he's saying, Anagineo, recommitment, rebirth, born again, again, even if it costs your life, physical. Well, I'm going to share about the second point that we have for you all today, and that is to have gratitude for the trials, because the trials help us find genuine faith. And it's exciting to see the tone that Peter has in this in this letter, because here he is speaking to people who are undergoing all this uh, persecution, and he himself, we know, uh, was speaking from Rome. This is coming from Rome, so who knows what was going on there in Rome with him. And um, anyway, he has all this joy and all this gratitude that he's expressing. And I, I really think that in my own life, um, I really feel like this is the, the new horizon, the journey uh, for me in following Jesus. And maybe, maybe we can all relate to that today to embrace our, our areas of suffering or trial. And, and let this lead us to a genuine faith like Peter expresses. And he, uh, I wanted to look at what is a trial. And when you look it up, a trial is a person, thing, or situation that tests a person's beliefs, endurance, patience, self-control, restraint, or tolerance. Okay? And so I just want to invite all of us in our own hearts and minds for a moment to think about that in our life. Do I understand or feel I, I'm having a trial? So I'll read it again. A person, thing, or situation that tests a person's beliefs, endurance, patience, self-control, restraint, or tolerance. So when you think about, okay, person, how might that look? Well, having someone that pulls on your soul in some way that makes you want to favor them maybe over God, right? Or maybe they anger you. Maybe they spurn you. Maybe they actually persecute you. This could be a boss, could be a neighbor, could be a roommate, could be a parent, could be a spouse, could be a child. How about a thing? Maybe that thing that keeps popping up in our heart, like, God, my life, I think I need that. But we know it's going to budgie bust, right? Uh, or something that if I get it, it's going to hurt my ability to be self-controlled. So maybe that's going to be some new game unit. Or maybe it's alcohol or drugs. Uh, maybe it's a certain um, thing that, you know, you watch on TV or on the computer. Um, so how about a situation? Going after the job or the schooling that 
really is cutting in now into your 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 time with your family or or with your church family. How about job loss right now? I heard about the victory stories there, which is incredible. God is shielding you guys. Um, and I know though that there will be times of job loss in our lives. Just even changing our jobs can be different or changing a station in life. Um, how about paying taxes or feeling less than other people somehow? Not getting to date a disciple. How about feeling jealous of something someone else has or does? So these, there's all kinds of trials. I mean, the, the details are as personal and unique as each one of us is, but yet we all share in the same kinds of trials because they all, in some way, will test our obedience. To Jesus in some way, shape, or form. They all have a spiritual component. And so a trial is something that if we can learn what it's supposed to do for us, this can be a good thing. And a trial brings to light what needs to be brought to light in our lives. So I thought it was really neat when we were preparing for this in verse seven, when you actually read the interlinear and look at the Greek, it reads more like that we have a proven faith that is discovered, which is really cool to me. A proven faith that it is discovered. It's almost like that re-rebirth thing. And, and how I look at it is that's what a genuine faith is. And we don't know, we don't even know the condition of our faith until it's put to the test. We just don't know. We are definitely hands-on learners in this regard. And I think about this last week, we're, uh, we were preparing now to move into a new clinic. Kaiser gets a new clinic Monday morning where we are functioning in a different spot. So in order to bring this about, there it's called the next gen kind of uh, clinic. And basically what this boils down to, it is new technology that speaks to the needs of the patient to manage their time. Okay? Medicine's the same. It's just how we're interfacing with, with the patient. So there's these computer simulations that you get into. And then, you know, I did all those and I'm like, huh? And then we got on Thursday to do the simulation with fake patients coming in and the technology having to be used by the staff and the, and the doctors. And that was like, oh, <laughs> and now we're going to go this week into the real deal right? But I tell you what, Christianity is just like that. Because we get to imagine from the scriptures a situation. Oh, wow, look at what happened here. And then we get to, you know, in our brains, kind of think, all right, what would I do? 
Or how would that go down in my life? And then it starts to play out in real life. And the stakes get higher and higher. It's so interesting to me. Anyway, I love it that Peter's writing this letter because we know so much about Peter and his inner workings. And it's just a beautiful thing that God has him write this letter to us. Because we know about Peter being in the boat and falling to his knees and saying, go away from me. I am a sinful man, right? We know. And we can all relate to that fear of failure, that fear of, I am definitely not good enough for this. This is so challenging. We know about him arguing with the rest of the disciples about who's going to be the greatest. And doggone it, if I haven't done the same thing and worried about my value to the organization or to my family or to the church or to God, you know, Um, or how about denying Jesus three times? Boy, I have done that way more. And just that fear of people that grips us, that fear of shame, that fear of death. I think going back to fishing, even after seeing Jesus raised from the dead, I've definitely done that. I'm like, I can't do this Jesus anymore. Are you kidding? This is way too hard. I think also, even even as an older man and a leader, he starts not eating with the Gentiles. Like, he really was getting confused. Like, what's really important? I think we can, those of us older in the faith, can you, can I get an amen on that one? Um, You know, I think that this is just so real life. And so Peter's faith was put to the test a lot. And we appreciate his openness to let us see his failure. And what's so cool about Peter is not that he was a failure. What's so cool about Peter is that he was willing to get back up and to be guided back to the truth and to be stronger than ever before. So that's Peter's genuine faith that was brought about by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, like he says there in 1 Peter 1-2. He is speaking from experience, and he wants to fill us as we read this letter with that same understanding, that same experience that he got to live. And in God's wisdom, he's like, you're the man. I want you to do it. I want you to write about this. And so the spirit leads us back to the scriptures. That's so important. It's not just our own ideas. It's the scriptures. And then the Spirit leads us to Jesus' example and inspires us through him. And the Spirit reminds us not to want to take his death in vain or his resurrection to be missed. And the Spirit gets me to do this over and over and over again. The Christian life looks like obey, fail, get up. Obey, fail again, fail even worse. 
get up, go at it again, obey, obey. Ah, failed again. But what's so cool is that that's how God has chosen to teach us how to have proven faith and to discover it. And so I wanted to, you know, Kelly and I wanted to add to the the um, uh, quarantine challenge, like I was calling it that, to think as you're thinking about the gratitude piece of all of this, that God, you, you saved me. Um, that we can really thank him also about the struggle that we maybe hopefully will think about now, even if you didn't come up with one at the beginning, you know, that you think about it and that this can really be a great time of growth in our faith, that we can let God help us find and define genuine faith. In, in closing, in conclusion, First um, Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love that God defines life as loving God back with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others as Jesus had. It's about a relationship, and he wants us with us. He's given us a new hope a new birth. He wants this eternal relationship with us. I, I have to admit, as Cheryl was talking about the process of, of loving, obeying, falling, messing up, uh, resolving, I couldn't help but think, hmm, change the words a little bit, and it sounds like life in relationships, roommates, marriage, family, with God. Yes, I obey because I want this relationship. I obeyed the understanding of what a man does in a marriage because I love my wife. I obey what a man does in a relationship with God because I, I want God. I want this relationship. And I'm going to fail. But I can resolve it with God, get back up, and start that whole process over. Hmm. I want this relationship. So I'm willing, willing, and wanting, and embracing living that way. That yes, I allow myself to be sifted. Yes, I will endure the persecutions. Yes, I want to keep getting back up. Because I love God. Any of us that need to make something that we would consider on the level of a rebirth, I hope we'll speak to somebody and make those decisions. I hope we'll take the quarantine challenge. So, you know, whatever's left of it, I'm going to spend some great time with my father. I'm going to be in some great prayer, Bible study. And even if I'm having to work full time like I did before, um, okay, I'm still going to figure out to have some great time with the Lord. But to take this time, enjoy the silence. Let's be close to our Father. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you that you want us close with you. <laughs> even with all our failings, and our attitudes that aren't so godly. You still want us with you. Thank you, Father. You operate on that, that great mercy level. That because of your love, you want us back with you no matter what. And no matter where we've been or what we've done or what attitudes we've, we've harbored, you're saying, I want you with me. Come back. Come back to me. You want to live with me. And I will embrace you. And I'll put a ring on your finger, a robe around you, sandals on your feet, and we'll celebrate. 
Thank you that you want life to be that way. You could have done anything, any way you wanted, Father, but you set it up as a family devoted to love, forgiveness, and giving us a chance to come. Thank you for your love. In Son's name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Bend ICOC podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening with us today. If you have, be sure to subscribe, review, and share with your friends. Thank you. I love you. I love you.